You're listening to Joe List's Mindful Metal Jacket on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I am Joe List. I thank you for listening, and I thank you for being you, right? Um, I should rehearse these before uh, I start doing them. Maybe I should write something up, you know? I always try to improvise. If you guys saw how many of these were deleted before the final thing, it's like the scene in Swingers where John Favreau leaves nine messages. That's how I feel with the intro to this. But this one, I'm going, I'm going one and done. One take Jake, as they say in the film business. I'm not sure they actually say that. But anyways, welcome to the show. I hope you're doing okay. Are you quarantining? Are you out? Maybe you're out and about. We've been getting bolder. Some birds weren't meant to be caged, as they say. Um, I wear the mask. Some people don't want the mask. Some people want to tell you that you're an asshole for wearing a mask, which I think is silly. Uh, but anyways, I've been uh, running. I started running again. It's really helping my mental and physical health, running a 5k every morning, running negative splits. I feel reborn. It's like the old days. I was a big runner in high school. I, back then I ran seven, eight, nine miles very fast. Now I run three miles relatively fast, I think for a 38 year old, for God's sakes. Anyways, Exercise is important, and uh, I've been sticking with uh, what Mike Kaplan talked about a few weeks ago, the form- formative minutes. I wake up, I meditate right away, stretch, do some push-ups, go for a run, um, take care of yourselves mentally, physically. These are weird times, strange times, and uh, Robert Kelly is the guest today. We talk about this. Make sure you reach out. Reach out to some friends every day, some loved ones. Um the comedy community just lost a, a, a comic to suicide, a guy I didn't even know. Um, but uh, it's still, you're like, Jesus, you know? Uh, unpleasant. So my uh, my thoughts with his family and friends, we have mutual friends. I'm friends with his friends. So that sucks. Um, make sure you're reaching out. Reach out to people. Reach out to your friends that might need help, and you might be the one that needs help. And when you need help and you reach out to someone, you're doing them a service because then they can feel of service. And being service to others is um, really important. And I think one of the keys to a happy, healthy life, Robert and I talk about it a little bit. Today's guest is Robert Kelly, one of my favorite people in the wide world. He was one of my favorite comedians when I was starting out. And I had his sticker on my notebook, like a nerd. And, um, the first podcast I really ever did was his podcast, you know, what dude podcast. And I did it for years. I still do it regularly, occasionally back then I was on every week and, um, we become very close. He, uh, married me. He was like our priest guy, whatever the MC, because he's a wonderful, spiritual, thoughtful man. And, um, we had a great conversation. We've had some serious arguments and blowouts, but we're working on ourselves together. We meet up together every week, a few times a week, talk with some other friends, and it's very helpful. And we've been reaching out to each other more than ever. And I think we had a great conversation. It was uh, this past Monday night. We talked late, late night, I think from like 11 till a little after midnight. And uh, it was delightful. I think this is one of the longest ones. We went pretty deep. Um, and you're going to hear a lot from Bobby and, uh, it's wonderful. It's great. We had some good back and forth and we even kind of argued on this one, but softly and gently and wonderfully. It was a great conversation. Happy I had it. 
And um, I've gotten a lot closer to Robert in uh, the quarantine, and you're going to hear a little bit of it. And I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself as best you can. And I hope you're to- taking care of those around you because that is important. And um, yeah, ups and downs, strikes and gutters. I'm going to give you a quote here from one of my favorite spiritual people who just passed away recently, a Boston guy, Ram Das. Maybe you've heard of him. I think, I forget his born. Oh shit. My agent's calling me right now. Uh, hold on. I'll just ignore him for now. Anyways, this is from Ram Das. It is important to expect nothing, to take every experience, including the negative ones, as merely steps on the path and to proceed. Hmm? Take it as it comes, as they say. Ups and downs, strikes and gutters. That's from The Big Lebowski. There's a little Ram Dass and The Big Lebowski. By the way, a great book called The Dude and the Zen Master, Jeff Bridges and a buddy of his. I read it a long time ago. It sent me down a spiritual path that I am still on. Anyways, here's myself and Robert Kelly. Enjoy. Thank you for listening. Oh, and go leave a nice review or email or reach out. Reach out to Robert. Reach out to myself on Twitter, Instagram, email. Makes us feel good. We appreciate it. We enjoy it. And if you'd like to contribute to the show, um, you can uh, Venmo me if you want at Joe List Comedy. There's no ads on the show as of yet. No Patreon. But if you wanted to do that, you can do it. Uh, but no pressure. Take care of yourself first and your loved ones and take care of each other. Thank you. Enjoy Roberto Kelly. What happened to your eye? Is it smoke or did you get bit? I might have a sty or something. I don't know. Does that look normal? I might just do it like this. It looks okay. It just looks a little fucked up. Is it itchy? Does it hurt? Yeah, it hurts a little bit. I'm a hypochondriac, but here's what you got to do, man. You just got to accept when you try to resist pain, it gets worse. Everything is fucking counterintuitive. Panic, anxiety, pain, frustration. You try to get away from it and it makes it worse. It's all about acceptance. What about anger? Anger too. You try not to be angry and it makes you more angry. Can I give you a scenario where anger worked? Sure. I think anger does work. I mean, there's a reason your body is making you angry. That's what I'm saying. Anger, you have to accept that anger, I think. Well, I, you know, but people always say don't, don't, uh, you know, don't get angry. Don't get caught, you know, road rage or don't get mad. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And I agree, but. I, there was one time where a guy was behind me in traffic and every time the light would turn green immediately. Weren't. And there was people, there was somebody in front of me like three times this guy did it. And there was like, I, it wasn't me. Like I couldn't go. Okay. There was nothing I could do. And I go so fucking mad. And I'm like this fucking, and he, he finally pulled up on the side of me at another, then on like the fourth light. And I, I was like, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I, I just snapped. It was like an older guy, a little older than me, in a van. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? The fuck? I can't go. I can't fucking go anywhere. I got a light in front of me. As soon as it turns, you're on your fucking horn, fucking beeping. Like I can go through another car. Look, you know, I got I'm in a hurry. 
you know, I'm, I'm late and I, you know, and I'm, I'm going to fuck. I had a bad morning and I, my day and I go, yeah, well, my day's fucked because of you and I'm probably a bunch of other people. So why don't, you're going to get there when you get there. There's nothing you can do about it. You're late. Don't fuck up everybody else's fucking day because you're fucked. And he went, you're right. You're right. I'm so sorry. And I went, all right, great. So my rage, not only did I feel like I saved other people on the, the way to where he was going from having to deal with this, I feel like I helped him with my anger. Now, see, that's interesting. But in some ways, you were actually thinking quite clearly. That's just your way of communicating. That's how you communicate. You talk like that. You raise your voice. But what you're saying is actually quite pragmatic and thoughtful in that situation. And if real like anger, anger, well, I guess that was anger, but you could have been like, hey, you fucking motherless fat fuck. So you're, I hope your mom dies. You know what I mean? Like to me, that would be anger. That's just you. You're that's, angry, but you're also thinking very clearly. That's blind rage. Right. I had pinpointed rage. Yeah, you had. And I, yeah, I usually don't. My anger is not. A lot of times it's not. It's, it's for justice or what I deem justice. Right. You know what I mean? My anger is. My anger only comes out like a superhero power to protect or preserve or for um, vengeance. Right. Um, it's almost it's 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 really like an anti-hero type thing, and you know because you look at my therapist would say, you know, who cares? Who can let him go? It does. Why does he? Yeah, but I feel like if I let him go, if I just said, "Hey, well, go around," <laughs> you know, then he would have just got somebody else and somebody else in his day. I actually shook him out of his horse shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that. Made it worked out. Feel, it made me feel better. It worked out there. I mean, that sounds like a situation that worked out. I mean, conversely, that guy could have pulled out a gun and shot you or beat you to death, and now your son has no father or whatever you are to your son. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, but father. what is the what is the percentage of times that's worked out? I know, I know, I understand that it's it's re reward uh, versus risk, like uh, Henry Homo Henry Cuomo. <laughs> What's his name? That's not right. The, the governor. There's Mario Cuomo. There's Mario Cuomo. Cuomo. No, that's Mario. the old guy. And that the current Cuomo is no. Andrew. Andrew Cuomo, our, our lovely governor. Yes. Uh, said that to his daughters growing up. Um, yeah, I mean, I understand. And look, I would, you know, ra here's the thing is that anger was given to me. And I wish I could give it back. <laughs> Because, you know, if you see, and, 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 and I do have to say something though, um, not getting mad at people is a technique. It's like Kung Fu. Yeah, it takes practice. All this stuff takes practice. And I always like the analogy of like, it's like a record, like a record has the, the deep groove for like a track. Yeah. For like, you could, you, you, you could see the groove and then you put it, that's the beginning of the track. You remember records, you're old. Yeah. 
I'm, yeah. I'm a hipster. I know records. Um, so yeah. the anger that we have, we have different types of anger, but also very similar. But those grooves are so deep because we've been working them. So you got to try to, that's where like meditation, mindfulness comes in. You got to try to yeah. deepen those other grooves. So every once in a while, the needle falls into that groove instead of the groove of I'm going to fucking kill everybody. That's why it's like you call it practicing yeah. mindfulness and practicing meditation. Um, you know, well, it's weird that meditation, like, <clears throat> like I will go into my bed at night and, uh, and that on YouTube, there's these, uh, sleepy time things and it's the, it's the ocean or whatever, but it's, it's, you know, it's like these videos that these people have made for free and it's the sound forever you know, like a running brook or the ocean or just these noises of space or whatever. And it will get me into a spot. You know, the hardest part of meditating is letting go of all of it and just going where you go. Right. And that includes feeling weird about letting go and go and following your brain. Like just what, one of the craziest things that I've, I've done in my life is letting my brain take me somewhere in right. that, 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 that um, moment of meditation where you get past the itches in your arm and this, you know, the little finger things and your bills and your wife and how weird it is and your breath and, and then all of a sudden you're in your brain and you feel it. And what am I doing? And she'll let go. And you get past all that. And all of a sudden your brain is just taking you somewhere. And there's a fine line between sleep and meditating and letting your brain let you travel. And that's been the craziest, most real creative art. I don't know, weird what you call it. If it's creative or artistic or just using your brain to transform somewhere that you know, like almost like drugs i would say yeah and there's oh sorry there's there is that weird moment where you're aware that you're like i'm in like right before you fall asleep that you're like i'm in a weird place and i'm thinking my thinking's out of my control it's funky but i'm also aware like it's like a dream that you're looking at that you're aware of it's it well, is it's it, like uh, druggy like it's hard to get, it's hard to let your brain truly just go somewhere because of, um, you're just scared. You like me personally, you know, I have so much shit that I think I have to do. Right. And, and there's, and, and, and plus I have this thing that I think I am. Um, and that's why I like acting a lot. Like when people like, I, you know, I love comedy, but comedy is based so much in reality for me. You know, there's not, there's not too much craziness, but when you act or when you write, you can just go wherever the fuck you want to go. You can kind of be weird and silly and fucked up and go somewhere in your head, you know, and that, that dream state, that meditation to like, I've, I've gone to other planets. I know this sounds fucking weird. And it does. That's what keeps you from getting, that's what keeps you from letting your brain do weird stuff or letting your brain think weird shit. You know, um, you know, you think that you have to be, like I always thought that I had to be a monk 
or some type of Asian guy, even though I look like one. You know, when I meditated, I had to have some kung fu shit. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You set yeah. these uh, expectations. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to be this, which is the opposite of meditation. Is doing it with any amount of expectation and thinking I'm supposed yeah. to be doing this. I'm supposed to experience this. Yeah, you're supposed to. Ex- you're not supposed to experience anything. You're supposed to. Uh, I mean, it's really a, a matter of letting go, and 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 whatever it is, whatever comes into your brain, just go with it. And it seems childish to be like, cause I'm, I'm a grown man. I'm, you know, 49 and to, you know, f- feel like your brain, <laughs> you know, I've, I've gone on magic carpet rides, you know, where you see a carpet come in and just take, I've been three inches off the ocean flying over it and then dipping into the ocean like a dolphin and coming up, up, into the sky and going up into the clouds. And it's like, it's, it's, I'm awake. I'm there. I'm not dreaming. I am letting my brain do what it wants to do. Now, did you ever do hallucinogens? Cause I feel like you were, you were a drug guy when you were young, but you were never a guy of like, I'm going to take drugs to experience like Ari. And these people have these things of like, you did drugs. So you'd be fucked up. I did drugs to fill a hole of loneliness and pain and despair. Yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing with Amazon packages. I do the same thing with cigars or food or women or, you know, sex, you know, it doesn't matter to me. You know, I'm just trying to um, fill just, just, just terrible feelings. Um, So I never really did drugs to do that. But I would, if I wasn't a recovering person, Oh, if I could, if I could handle it in any way, I would definitely do drugs. I would definitely try these mind altering drugs to see where they took my brain creatively. Yeah. So I always I do that. But I, I always think this, this is like the mind of a, of a addict, alcoholic, whatever. Where I'm like, I wish there was a pill I could take that allowed me to take other pills. Like I'm like, I wish there was a thing I could take that allowed me to take mushrooms. Because I have that thought too. You, I watched like the Bill Hicks documentary where he talks about going out and taking mushrooms. Which that documentary actually helped me get sober. It was like I watched it two days before I got sober because Bill Hicks was like doing all these great shows. He was doing great stuff, but he was getting drunk and fucked up. And then he had this thought like, I wonder how much, how far I could take this comedy thing if I wasn't drinking. And it made me think like, maybe I could be successful, a better comic. But there's also that documentary where he talks about, he was never sober, sober like us. He would take mushrooms and go out in the woods. And that sounds so appealing. And Mike Kaplan always talks about it. And Ari talks about it. And I get that thing of like, man, that sounds nice to like let go of yourself and the ego, but I'm trying to get there without drugs where it's also possible to do it. These Buddhist monks and these Asians that you mentioned, they, they're able to do it without the drugs. So that's what I'm going for. But I do wish I could take those drugs, but I'm like you where I would come down off that high and be like, let me get a six pack of beer also. And then next thing you know, I'm, you know, fucking my cousin. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I think about marijuana a lot because I remember when I used to drink, 
you know, I was violent. I was a violent drunk. I was just violent. I was just a kid that would just fight and, you know, whatever. And weed, I remember doing weed and I had it when I did weed, it was, it was regular, just the plant that grew and they hung it upside down in your closet and they smoked it. You know what I mean? It was that's really a weed. That's and how I felt when I was, I was doing drugs and drinking. It was just weed. I have weed. Now they're like, we got fucking balloon shoes and this is for Wednesdays at eight o'clock. And you're like, what? He's yeah, like, yeah, take a yeah. dragon, a dragon hoof. That's yeah, if you yeah. have anxiety. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You take one puff of God's cock and you'll fucking be, <laughs> you'll be able to write a new hour and a half. That's how everybody, that's how Rogan wrote his last two hours. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, but you can't, we can't, it's not in this lifetime. And it it does suck. We don't even get to take, I was talking to some my therapist about this too, is like, I don't get to take a pill like a Lexapro or, a, a, you know, a Zoloft. Or, I, I don't get to take that where it would take the edge off me. It would do something to my, my chemistry that might let me not white knuckle the rest of this fucking life. Right. Because even with the programs that I do and, you know, tr you know, the, the people I have in my life, I'm still holding on to that steering wheel pretty tight. Right. And I look at other people that do do marijuana or do do mushrooms and, you know, or have Lexapro or certain things. And they seem in that look, and I'm just saying this, I, this is an observation to, probably usually these things are false and they're fucking twisted and they have dry mouth and they handshake and they can't even make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know I mean? Right. And you find this out fucking 10 years later. It's like, remember you like, yeah, it fucking almost killed me. Um, but it seems to me that they have some advantage that I don't get. And what I have to do is seek knowledge. I have to communicate with other people on a very honest level. Right. And that, that is a form of meditation. That is a form of serenity. There is something that happens spiritually when you uh, can reach out to another human being, either for help, but m even more powerful is giving help. Right. Um, there's something about that, that, uh, put something around you that is almost like a force field um, that protects you from from the 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 gravity of it all, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's connection. That's what like our therapist is always talking about being connected to reality and to the things that um, we've created uh, and being of service, which is so hard for us because I feel like we're always. I always feel like I'm a piece of shit. I mean, my biggest thing, I mean, I have the anger and I was violent too, but I was never violent towards other people. I was violent towards things, objects, because I was a pussy at the same time. Wow, so, there's a lot of fucking mirrors that are very scared of you. <laughs> break a lot of mirrors and stuff. <laughs> um, I forget where I was going with that, but anger, well, but like my biggest issue, which I talk about on the show all the time, is like self hatred that I'm like, you're a piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit. Not your, I'm talking to myself. Yeah, 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 no, I know. I'm, a, I'm a piece of shit. And I'm like, my podcast isn't good enough. My act isn't good enough. My face is gross. My teeth are horrible. And uh, that's what like, that's what helped be it. Like you're saying, 
helping somebody else out allows that to quiet that voice down. And I'm like, at least yeah. I'm doing this. I, I am good at that at least, which is more important than. Well, it's hard too to be in the business that we're in, in the time that we have now, because right now with, with the way the internet and social media works, you know, I always talk about this is like, I always thought when, you know, I went through school, you know, you know, I, I got bullied or you, you were a bully or you got bullied and pretty much both. And you made fun of kids, but, and then all of a sudden in high school stuff, you started to grow out of that in senior year and then college, you were kind of maybe clicky, but not that. And then you got a house and, you know, a wife and, and, and then you just, you just didn't, you didn't make fun of people like that. You know what I mean? And if you did, you did it behind their backs and they would never know. Right. You know what I mean? But now with social media, you're being made fun of by complete strangers constantly. Right. You're constantly being bombarded like you're in junior high or, you know, first year of high school, freshman. You're, you're constantly being attacked for what you look like or what you've said or what you're wearing or what you've, you've, your work is. And by people that don't even care about you, uh, or and don't even fucking um, know you. I mean, you have nothing to do with them. Right. So it's like we're constantly in a state of junior high as grown men. And right. that's not, our fathers didn't have to do that. Men before this didn't have to deal with that. Women didn't have to deal with that. Human beings didn't have to deal with having their fucking character attacked being character assassinated every day that's a hard thing to deal with and you can say who is there are people who are so disconnected i don't care it doesn't bother me okay that's your that's your to me that's crazy yeah i think that's a lie honestly i mean we have uh you know a, cl a close friend past guest who says all this shit ah, it doesn't bother me it's bullshit and i'm like there's no way because i know you're a sensitive person i know i know you you're a thoughtful I mean, guy there, there are fucking guys who rape women and keep them in basements and hear their cries all day and it doesn't do anything to them well i wasn't just gonna say ari but i mean <laughs> um no, no but it, it, yeah. It's it's hard not to be affected by that. Well, there are people who are crazy, I mean, who have that thing, and I don't think it's a healthy thing, but it, it does benefit them at this time, you know? Right. Um, yeah, but it, of course it bothers him. You have to talk yourself out of it, I bet, a lot. Ah, who cares? Who cares? And And I guess that's what you have to do. I think they have a quicker response time to what we wind up doing eventually anyways. Like, ah, it doesn't matter. Right. Well, I mean, I think they get to the end result quicker than us because we're always peeling off scabs and trying to clean them up and disinfect them and, and make them better. Right. Um, because we're in a program where, you know, we're trying to always evolve and become better. I think when you do that, you're always you you're always walking around with kind of like your heart on your sleeve and you're more sensitive. Right. Well, somehow I think also it's a lack of like this is what my therapist always talks about, a lack of connection to uh reality where it's like someone will say something to me on social media and 
I take it personally. I want to fight back and go, no, that's incorrect. I'm not that. And half the time, first of all, hurt people, hurt people. They're just like hurt. They're probably just lonely, sad people um, who are troll and wanting to feel something. So they attack. But somehow I'm like, I get triggered to use a buzz term be, uh, to be like, because to me, I'm like, that's not right. To me, it's like a thing of like, that's not who I am. That's not what I, you're incorrect. And there's something about somebody saying something false that makes me fucking crazy to be misrepresented, which is probably from, you know, childhood or something. I, I don't know what it is, but it's something that no, it's, it's respect. It's respect. And it's also, um, someone's accusing you of something that you're not. Right. Or they're actually accusing you. They're saying something that you say inside your own head that you try to beat back. Right. You know, someone calls me fat. You know, it, it, I can sit there and go, oh, who, yeah, I'm fat. Yep. I'm fat. But it, yeah, it bothers me. I, I can, but it bothers me a lot more when I say it to myself, when I think it, but you know, you all, you, we all come to the same conclusion what somebody says about you doesn't matter. Right. What somebody you don't know or you don't care about says about you, even if it's true, shouldn't affect you. Uh, what other people think of you is not your business. There's so many things, you know, that you have to kind of do to get yourself out of that mode. Um, but I don't think I, I just don't I don't know if there's any way. Like I said, it, it's almost like a kung fu type thing. You'd have to dedicate yourself. I feel solely to this meditation and this way of life, of forgiveness and serenity and spirituality, and 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 just you know enlightenedness to not let that stuff affect you, or you'd have to have no empathy. Like you'd have to be able to cut that off. Um, and I, I'm, I, I'm always in the middle of that. I'm always trying to seek serenity, trying to find a way to happiness and away from the dark side. But I, you know, I don't, I, I, I would love to have that ability to say, fuck people, you know, people who get famous have that ability. I remember somebody told me, it's like, what would this person like? I had a decision to make and I chose to just kind of hu be humble about it and let it go. And someone was like, well, what would this person do? And I was like, well, they would have fucking called you up and said this, this, and this. And that's where they're at. That's why they're successful. And it's like, so I have to be, I have to be, have no empathy, care only about one goal and myself and fuck everybody else to succeed in the business that I love and want to succeed in. It's like, fuck, is that real? Right. And, and I, I'm not, I'm asking, I'm not saying I'm like, sometimes I really feel like that. But it depends I, on what your definition of success is, I guess, because you're obviously very successful now. And then it becomes a situation of what is success. I mean, you're an extremely successful person, maybe not famous or rich, but to me, to me, we've beaten the system in that 
we have homes and wives that we're, uh, you know, we're, we're providing for a family. My family's smaller than yours, but we're doing it by not working a job we hate, which is a job we love. So that's, that's something. No, that, no, I mean, look, I, I love my life. I'm happy with my life. And I understand that. But there are levels to what we do. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, I mean, who, do you know the, uh, Elvis's guitar player? No. His name? I mean, you know, I think you Carl know Perkins maybe played with him. <laughs> you know his drummer's name? No. Do you know the black girls that used to sing with him back up? No. There's a there's a there's different level. I mean, they're they're famous people. They were very successful people. They toured with the king his whole career. They probably they lived longer houses. than him. They they definitely did it longer than him. <laughs> but you don't know who the fuck they are, right? But do you really think that that's what they wanted when they started drumming and guitaring and singing? I feel like everybody wants to be somewhere. And it's a point of when do you realize you're not Elvis and you're Elvis's drummer or when do you, and is that okay? Or like, you know, cause there's different, you know, you, you can be whatever you want to be. You just have to focus in on that goal. And, and, and that's all you have to do affirmations and bring it to you and blah, 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 which I believe, by the way, I believe in affirmations wholeheartedly, but you know, or you have to just accept and be happy now and what's yours will come to you. You know, I mean, it's, there's so many different avenues of thought. You know what I mean? If, if, in this business, if we were in, if I was in, if I was, you know, in a, I, and I guess it's every business. I sat around a bunch of cops today and they were talking about, oh, this guy got the, it was funny. It was almost like comics. Did you get the uh, promotion over to uh, Lululemon's? No, fucking, what's his name? Got it. <laughs> it's like, really? Yeah, they, they get in that other thing, the state job, that that went to, they gave it to some Nona. He's not even experienced, doesn't even know what he's doing. No shit, fuck him. And it's like, oh, we do the same thing. Right. That's I what, guess it's, Colin's always good with saying that for years when I was always, I'd complain to him, which is hilarious. And I'd be like, well, this, this, and, this. and he's like, that's every job. It always, you know, you know how Colin always has a way of just, changing every, all your entire thought process with a sentence. Yeah. But he's like, that's every yeah. job. Every, if you're a plumber, if you work at fucking Sears, it's funny that I'm just naming jobs I've had. <laughs> um, that's how creative I am. If you're a bartender, if you work at Sears, but that's every job. Everyone's like, I should have got that. I want to be a little bit higher. But going back to the Elvis thing, all of those people and us, initially, the first thought wasn't fame. The first thought was, I want to create. And so you are creating fame comes later at the, the very initial thing is you made a bunch of kids in your class laugh and you like that know. feeling. I agree. I, I hear what you're saying, but I do think I do. I do think that I want to be that guy or I want to be that girl is maybe one of the initial things too. You know, when I, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, ooh. When I saw Steve McQueen, I was like, oh, I'd love to be him. You know, oh, it's like, I'm never going to be that famous. I'm never going to be that cool. And there was a point where I was going to go, oh, shit. When I lost my hair, it's like, shit, I'm not even going to be John Linguizamo. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, and, and 
you it's 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 just a weird thing and i and i know that i I don't want to get off track here and say that i'm I'm very happy with my life um where i'm at and you're right it does come back to the creativity it's like you have to but some people fame is an is a i remember my acting teacher said that when we i first took acting back in boston peter kelly and he went around the room and we were acting and everybody was kind of being actors, you know, trying to act. And he went, uh, stop, sorry. He goes, um, I want you to think about this. I'm going to come back in 10 minutes. Do you want to be famous or do you want to be a good actor? And he said, neither one of them is good or bad. Being famous is not a bad thing. I'm not, I don't want you to be like, I want to be, I, if fame is a, is a fine thing to want. It is just as good as if you want to be a good actor. I just want you to pick honestly. And he came back. And of course, nobody picked fame. Right. But he, the re, I knew why he said that, because he knew some people in there were there to be famous. They weren't there to learn. They were there to, you know, just be famous, to act, you know. Um, and I talked to him about that as, yeah, he goes, wanting to be famous is fine. There's a lot of people that just want fame. They want, um, you know, they want red carpets. They want assistance. They want agents and managers and they want money and they want success and they want to not have to worry about financial things and blah, 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 you know? And, and that's not a bad thing. Right. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think to want to be famous is probably, it's not a positive thing to me being yeah. famous, especially now seems sick. I mean, it seems horrible to me. It seems like a, a bad <laughs> life. I mean, cause what we were talking about with Twitter, like how, what a low level we deal with it. I mean, the idea of walking out and have people take photographs or being so hypercritical of you being rich seems delightful which I always have this thing of like, I'm into Buddhism and all this stuff. And I'm like, God, I don't want, I'm not into, uh, I don't want to long or strive for money. I want to just do good work and the money comes. And you think I'd be happy to make such and such salary doing comedy. And then I've had the chance to live rich on a tour with Louis in a private jet and eating resident. You go, Oh no, you want to be rich for sure. I mean, yeah. It's a better life. Yeah, it's, it's a better, I mean, there's, there's, there's great things about it. And people who are rich or famous always say, you know, it's not what I was cracked up to be. No, you should just want to do good work. And it's like, is, you know, it's very easy for you to say that from here. Right. You know, and, and they love their fame. They love it. Some people, some people resist it. I mean, there's some great art about Bruce Springsteen made a whole album about getting everything you thought you wanted and having it not work out and still being unhappy. There's so many of those people that are still unhappy. And yeah. Jim Carrey has a great quote. I wish everyone could be rich and famous so they could all see that that's not the answer. Like yeah, all the problems you and I have I would still have. Though? Of course. He's, he's, but he's lying because... Uh, he seems like a miserable person. Because Mr. Jim Carrey, you can give all that fame and money away. No, I don't think you can. Dave Chappelle I, said it. You can't get unfamous. You can get infamous, but you can't get unfamous. You, if Dave, Dave Chappelle could have been unfamous, he went away and we forgot about him. 
No you, one forgot it, about him. Dude, what about fucking, okay. <laughs> what about the little dude from, from uh, Different Strokes? <laughs> I mean, he became unfamous. He was just working as a security guard. I suppose. I mean, that's a good point. Um, I mean, I mean, I, the, you can become unfamous. The guy, you know, the kid that was, you know, the new Star Wars, not the the the, not the original Star Wars. Then they they rebooted it, right? Remember the sure. little kid? Yeah. He became Darth Vader. I guess Remember so. Him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan, but I right, whatever. I'm, I'm aware that a kid was in the movie. Sure. All right. Well, he was huge. I mean, he's in Star Wars as it comes back, right? He just quit. He quit show business and just got a regular job. Yeah, I love those people. Yeah, so you can't like uh, Renee Zellweger just won an Academy, but she went away for ten years. I love those people that you do stuff like that. You cannot be famous. You cannot be famous. You cannot be famous, and you can give all your money to charity and get a job. You could, right? You know what I mean? It's like. I don't know. It's a weird, it, it, I, I understand what they're saying, but. But it does feel like Jim Carrey has pulled back a lot. He does. He's not doing all the press and the big movies. I think, I don't know. I don't know, follow that closely. I, I was, a, he's an artist now. He does art. Do you know how, how much money it costs to buy paint? Do you know how much money it costs to get a studio? Do you know how much money it costs? Yeah. And you know, people are buying his shit because you know how much time you need to become a good artist, you know? And, to be able to not even think about just to go buy a studio in Midtown and buy 50 billion gallons of whatever paint you want and then spend 10 years just fucking hanging upside down from a fucking, that's, that, that's pretty fucking amazing. As opposed to the kid from Brooklyn that had to steal paint and, you know, work his way up and was, and became famous, his art became popular from what he did. Right. But that being said, Jim Carrey was that guy. I mean, Jim Carrey, of, of all people to sort of talk about, he actually was a homeless person uh, as a kid. His father lost his job and he was homeless. And he earned his way up into another art form, which, you know, stand-up comedy and acting. I, I don't, and I don't, begr- I look, I, it's good for him. But when they say shit like that to me, it's like, dude, you know, I know I get a little uh, fucked up about it. It's like, I wish everybody can be famous. Yeah. Everybody wants to have money. Well, let me, but, but let me ask you this. Do you think being rich and famous, and I don't want to get too off the rails here, but do you think being rich and famous would make your life better or worse or the same? Because I think you'd end up having more money, more problems as they say in the African-American community. But I mean, you, you become Famous, maybe you have to do more movies. You're away from Max Moore, or now he, you make a bad movie. Now your son's getting oh, picked on at school or something like that. I mean, a lot of problems oh, we, we, come from being famous. I would hire a bodyguard like Whitney. <laughs> I would. <laughs> it worked would, out for her. I mean, think of all the, think of all the tragedy no, that's come from people being I, famous. No, I, under, I understand. Well, yeah, I understand. I understand what that is. It's just an interesting thing. Like I, I like Jim Carrey. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Dave Chappelle is the goat. I understand all that shit, but I'm just saying that it's, I get, I understand, but I'm, I, I don't know if anybody did a, has anybody did a study on people who became, who got all the money they've ever wanted and did, did it? I mean, I've never heard, has it been a bad thing or did it help? Well, I mean, I mean, I think there's, 
there's fewer people that seem to be well adjusted that are famous. I mean, you want like Whitney Houston, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, uh, Mariah Carey, all these people, Martin Lawrence are, have gone a little crazy or they. Right. So let's, whatever it let's is. go. So now you go back to, so now you go back to taking care of yourself. So, so basically what you're saying is that, and I'm just asking questions here. Sure, Basically, what, what we, we come to this thing is like, okay, you're going to come back to yourself at some point and have to deal with your demons. Right. At some point. So money and fame could re, re, relieve, re, alleviate those pressures or those anxieties or those fucked up things for a moment until until you caught up with yourself because wherever you go there you are right right so you would have to find some way to get spiritual and i think that jim carrey um people do find that way you know what i mean i just don't like when they talk (laughs) i hate when they say things like that to us like i wish you could have my dude shut the fuck up you've been flying G5s and you if if your if your tooth breaks you can just go get it fixed. <laughs> Most people have to go go on a payment plan, go to some shitty dentist in the middle of fucking the the ghetto and and ha- and and or go without a tooth. Well, certainly well, I mean certainly like we said, like certainly money makes things easier. Like right. they've and there's a lot of studies if you go from making $200,000 to $3 million, maybe your happiness doesn't go up. But if you're making $35,000 and you go to making $100,000, you're going to be a happier person. Yeah, so that's the that's the statistic I was looking for. Like is is there that thing where it's like if you go from that much money to that much money, that you're you're going to be at least be able to enjoy at, at least put that fire out in your brain spiritually so you don't have to worry about like this whole pandemic thing what it's done is it's given everybody except for the rich um this fire that is lit this it's almost like a field that is ablaze and it's coming towards you and you're like, fuck, how am I going to put this out? Like, it's not here yet, but it's coming. And I might get out of this or I might not. Am I going to make it? Is someone going to come with a hose? What's going to happen? You know, and it's, it's like, and then if, if, if we can all go back to work and make money again, at least that goes out. And that's not something you have to have in your brain all the time, you know? But so I do, but so some of this stuff, it's certainly getting very wealthy, puts that fire up. But don't you find a lot of these fears, now you and I grow up, grew up without money, without real money, certainly. Not that I, I wasn't, you know, a projects kid, but yeah. very little, like, paycheck to paycheck. Lower middle class, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Right. So that worrying about money is still built into me. So like I have a good amount of savings in the bank and I had a full calendar before, even before pandemic, but I still found myself obsessing about money every day, even though in reality, I have no need to worry about money, but I'm down the road going with comedy ends. If I get fucking canceled. So 
some of those worries are always there. I think Jim Carrey's point is just like you said, wherever you go, there you are. So he doesn't have to worry about money anymore, but he still has that emptiness that you and I talked about earlier, where we're buying things or seeking out sex. That is not filled by fame or money. I think that's the point he's making is that you still have to look yourself in the mirror and go to bed at night. And I think that's, that's the stuff where fame actually gets you further from that. Because you start to think also you get too many yes people, people around you. Yeah, but some people it doesn't. Some people have, like there's some actors or some famous people that I follow that seem to have, have a, a good control on it. Like it sounds like they seem to go back to this very normal life. Yeah, they, they stay connected. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, like Sal Volcano is a friend of ours who's just famous and he just is he's just with his family all the time. He's very extremely normal and there's no pretension. And, yeah. um, it's just a weird thing. It's a, it's, I, that's one of the things like I've been kind of, cause I had reached a point in my career where I was happy. I, I finally connected. I was connected to my family. I was connected to my life that I created up here, up in Westchester. It's not a, it's not a holy shit, wow, look at Bob's built-in pool and fucking, you know, billiards room. And, you know, I have a crawl space. If you go down there, you'll probably get fucking bit by something, you know. So it's, it's you know, but it, I, it's a very nice life. You know what I mean? I, I've committed to it. And then through this pandemic, it's, it's like it's, it was almost like taken away. Like that security or that uh, hubris that I had, I think that's the word, sure. was taken away. And I was put into a position where I, like where I was, you know, 15 years ago. Right. Um, and I was like, shit, I worked all this hard. I did all this work and it was all taken away. And the first thing I had to do was go back to basics, which was, um, you know, my program, dealing with what's going on and getting work done and, and trying to find a way to be healthy about my thoughts. Right. Because my thoughts were, you know, like my thinking will is just terrible. And I had to control my, I had to, yeah, I had to control my thoughts. I had to find a way to control the paths that my brain went down. Um, because it was going down because those are the things that make you fail. You know, um, people, places and things fail me all the time, but my thoughts is what really will make me fail. Well, they'll make me, you know, fucking just, uh, just bring me down and, and just get negative. And that's when my anger starts to, the, it's almost like, there's this thing inside of me that's waiting for these situations to happen, for waiting for things in life to happen. And it feeds off of that and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it can consume me to where I'm that fucking guy, you know, and I just hate everybody and hate this and life sucks and I'm fucking snappy and I'm there. And it sucks because in comedy, a lot of funny stuff can come out of that. Right. A lot well, of great stuff can come out of that. Well, yeah, you get that fear. And this is what DePaulo and I would always talk about and he always dealt with. And we all deal with it to some degree. I have it so instantly. I think if I get better, I won't be funny. 
I'm reading like a Buddhist book. I always have a Buddhist fucking book next to me at all times. And I'll read two sentences and it makes so much sense about being Zen and mindful. And within a half a second, that thing comes up and goes, but you won't be funny. You'll suck. And then I go, oh, I better keep being miserable. <laughs> and it's such a but, crazy fear. But again, it, it, I, it's, oh, go ahead. But can I put, is it, isn't that true? No. And this is what Alan always talks about is like, you have to trust you were funny. You've always been funny. So you'll be funny in any situation. Right. In fact, if you release some of this anxiety and stress and anger, you'd be more free to be silly and to create. For me, when I'm having anxiety and panic, which is often, I can't write at all. I'm only fun. I can only create in those moments where I'm actually feeling pretty good. That's why hanging with friends and comics, you're, you're, you're so on because you're in the moment because you're trying to be quick and on and what, funny. What's your favorite joke that you, you have? What is it about? You don't have that to tell, I, joke. tell me what it's about. That I have? I mean, I haven't done j comedy in so long that I can't even fucking remember. I mean, my favorite joke is about being on a roller coaster with, with kids, which is a, a true story, but I was at the Mall of America and I was alone, but I wanted to ride the roller coaster. So I rode it and they sat me with three kids. It's like four across. I had to sit with three children. Right. Hijinks ensues. I don't want to do the whole bit, but, but it's one of the best bits I've ever had, I think. But what was the bit? I, I know the bit, but like the bit was about what? Fear of being a what? A pedophile, a creep. I look like a creep. I'm a weirdo creep a, sitting with kids. You understand how a Buddhist monk would never go down that path? Well, I just, I don't think you it's... You understand though? But like, in the moment I had anxiety, but here's the thing. In that moment, I was stressed and anxious. It wasn't until later that if, I was not anxious that I realized the humor of the situation. All right, but what if you got so healthy? You're trying to convince me that being mentally healthy is no, bad. Just, I just want to point out that's the argument you're making. I, I'm not. I'm just. I'm just posing this. Okay. Because I've. I've never. This has always come up in comedy and in therapy, but it's never really been talked through. Like it's never been philosophized. We're not. I don't. I don't want to say that I'm. 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 I don't know if this is true. I'm. I'm trying to figure out if there is truth to it right now that's all gotcha um what if you were so healthy that when you got on the roller coaster spiritually and mentally and you had no thoughts of negativity at all that you were just happy to be around these beautiful young children because children are our future and this is a great moment and you're like this is i love kids this is so awesome what joke would have came out of that well, here's the thing. I mean, like, you're still aware of society's normalities. So even though I feel not anxious and I'm just like, oh, I'm around kids and they're fun and they're nice, I'm still aware that to this mother, there's a fucking 38-year-old lanky fucking loser sitting with her child giving her a thumbs up. So I'm still aware enough to know that that's... Have that today. fucking negative thought. Um, it's, it's not a negative thought. I'm aware of pedophilia and people's fear of pedophiles and also well, that I look like a goofball. But I don't think what I'm, my point is, is that regular people, I don't feel, think like we do. Like we're, we're immediately completely honest with the situation because we've trained our brains to do that, to find gold, right? Right. So, but here's the thing. You're thinking you're going to be a different person. 
you'll still be the same person. You still have the same but connections I would like in to, your brain. But 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 like I would love to get on a roller coaster with, like if you saw like um um a school teacher, right? If he got on a that roller coaster, you think that would bring his brain at all? Like a guy who devoted his life to kids and helping kids and teaching kids. If he, if he was like, oh, I want to go on a roller coaster and I jumped on, it was with three kids. Do you think, wow, this is, I look like a fucking pedophile would even enter his brain. No, because he's and not he, a comedian. Right. So his, he, the, the fact that you think that you're a pedophile and just hear me out, I could be wrong, <laughs> but the fact that you even think that is so fucked up and outrageous and such an insecurity on your part, because right, nobody's even thinking that, probably, right? And you're you're like, oh Jesus Christ, look at me. I'm on roller coaster with the fucking three kids in the mall of America. I look like a fucking lanky pedit pedophile. I you know, blah blah. I even have a beard that looks like the guy on the app. You know, um, you know, I mean, all of a sudden these jokes start whipping out of you, right? From yeah. negativity. Well, from my perspective. So this is what I would say to you. You're a funny guy. You can't not be funny. That's who you are. That's who you've been. Well, In I'm fact, funny because- uh, I would argue the only time you're not funny is when you've lost your mind. You're mentally unhealthy. Now, like, for instance, we had that incident on your podcast. We've had a couple probably where you get so angry, you snap. Now you're just screaming at me. Now we are the antithesis of funny. Now we're yelling at each other, which is not funny. Maybe it's entertaining right. to people. Now yeah. you're not being funny at all because you've reached a point where you've sn- you're mentally unhealthy have snapped. If we're hanging out having cigars, being silly, we're being hilarious. We're relaxed. We have tobacco, right. a coffee. That's when but we're being the funniest. Something, but there was something entertaining to people about that argument. Whether they liked you or whether they took my side, there was something as comics, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm just thinking because I've thought of that a lot in my life because I've, I've been trying to get healthy for so long and be a comic. And I do look, I became a better comic when I got married. I became a better comic when I, I had a child, when I became responsible and I found love and I have my life, I became a better comic because uh, my brain could work better. I agree with all that. But I, there is, I think there is something to, you know, if, if George Carlin didn't hate religion, he wouldn't have came up with those jokes. But I think you can hate religion and be happy. I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty happy person. I have, I think of so many things about our country, are disgusting. The, the war, the uh, whatever, the elect, whatever the fuck it is. The, I know, they haven't built the wall yet. It bugs you. <laughs> um, there's so many things that are gross about our society, but I feel like I'm a, a, a healthy person mentally, but relative, I'm getting healthier. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't consume me. I can have that thought. You can have a conversation. George Carlin, they show videos, his home videos. He's playing with dogs, being silly. He's like, come here, Lou. I mean, I don't know if you saw that. It was a Carlin documentary. And he's given his dog's personality. He's like, oh, I'm just going off to work. And he's being like a sweet yeah. goofball. He can well, get yeah. up the anger. He still has those opinions. But he has, but to, tap, take, he has yeah, he to tap can, into that. Sure, so he can like, tap into it. 
So I say like, so if, but like, you understand, like if you take like a Buddhist monk, his whole life is to not tap into that ever. But Our dog- job is to tap into hatred or rage or disgust or um, stupid things that people do and explain why it's dumb or tap into a situation where, you know, you're in a fucking roller coaster and you look like a pedophile or you feel like one. It's our job to tap into those, but it is, we have to go back to our life. So when I'm with Max, I think you're absolutely right. I have to be, I'm a different person than I am when I go and I come up with this stuff. I don't know. I'm just saying that I worry about that too. I worry about if I become, if I become too good, right? And I lose my edge, whatever, that I, my comedy will become, and who knows? I, I think this too sometimes, Joe. I think if I stop swearing and I stop being like aggressive or I stopped, you know, doing whatever comedy and I really did focus on great shit that I would become, maybe if I became a, maybe my career would really like, that would be my honesty. That would be the root of something that I'm, I'm afraid to tap into because I'm afraid of the outlook or I'm afraid that people would be like, what, look what he's doing. Ugh! look, you see what Bobby's doing now. Well, how queer is that? Right. Well, that's the, and that's the antithesis of great art is fear of changing and fear of how people are going to perceive but, you. But some people have done that and it has not worked out. <laughs> you know? For sure. Right. There's people that have gotten worse uh, as artists. Almost all of them have gotten worse in some way or another, but maybe they got happier or maybe something else caused them to not be great. It may not be that. But so also going back a couple seconds, you're like uh, the Dalai Lama. You're like, you're not going to get to Dalai Lama. You're going to be happier. You're still Robert Kelly from fucking Medford or whatever the fucking, whatever dump you're from. I mean, you're 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 from, I'm not from Everett. I lived in Everett. Um, Where are you from? I'm from Whitman, which is also a dump. It doesn't matter. But I said, that's where the chocolate chip cookie came from. But you're still going to be you and you're going to be a healthier version of you. You're not like already, this shows you the fear that you've already put yourself as the Dalai Lama. If I become the Dalai Lama, and let me right. just say this too. Yeah. One of the best comedians I think ever is our friend or a guy we know, at least I consider him a friend, Ted Alexandro, who is a, a incredibly well-adjusted I, guy. I thought you were going to say Gary Gellman. Um, and Ted is not well-adjusted. I think, uh, he, I think he's a relatively well-adjusted, a, happy guy. No, he lived in a tent in Wall Street for a year. He's not well. <laughs> no, I'm well I mean, Ted, you watch Ted and Ted is hilarious and biting and I think a brilliant comic and he's yeah. completely different from us in, in style. No, and, I, I, I hear you. I understand. I'm just saying that, you know, maybe it is the style of comedy that I do kind of um, breathes off of that stuff. And you know, like even in the last year, I've I've been trying to write um, a different show, right? I'm trying to write a show on, on food addiction and how it's just been my worst addiction of all. And it's just out in the open and everybody sees it and nobody cares. You know, when I drank or used drugs or sex, 
everybody cared. Everybody was like, stop that, stop. But food, nobody, you know what I mean? It's like, it's been there since, you know, sixth grade. Right. And fifth grade, even earlier, maybe. And it was, you know, so I, I decided to, uh, op- you know, start to write about that. And Gary Gelman actually was like, you need to write about this. And, uh, and I was like, and I was scared to do it. I was like, ah, fuck, it's going to be so different than my other jokes that are so bing, bing, bing. And I did, I did take the leap into it. And it was weird because I would say something like, that's not that funny. That's kind of, but no, it's hilarious. And I'm like, really? You know, sometimes you don't know what funny is. Sometimes you don't know, um, you really don't know what you can do. You know what I mean? Until you try something new. So I think you're right, but you know, it's scary. It's scary to get healthy. It's scary to do things because what do there? I always say this. It feels good to feel bad. Right. Well, it's, it's change. I mean, that's what we're always afraid of is change and loss. I mean, we fear losing things. I mean, that's what all this fear is. It was a fear of losing life or people leaving you, your wife leaving you, your son, something happening to your son, something happened to your home. It's all fear of losing something. So you fear if I change, I'll lose such and such. Um, but Bob Dylan has a great quote in the No Direction Hold the documentary. It's important for an artist to never arrive somewhere. It would be good for you to change. You want an artist should be in constant motion of like, it would be interesting if you did a set fucking sitting on the stool and taking breaths. I mean, like you watch Ted going back to Ted, he stands there for like fucking 80 seconds, not say anything. And you're like, I'm sitting there going, what are you insane? <laughs> I mean, cause I came up working VFWs and firehouses and fucking Malden. Yes. And I'm like, I'm going to hit with a bottle if I don't keep the jokes coming, but you watch someone and you're like, Oh, they can really, you can slow down and kind of change pace. But it just keeps going back to like, you are a funny person. That's who you are. That's what you are. If you got hit by a car and couldn't walk, you'd still be hilarious. You know? Yeah, no, I, I, I feel that. And I just, it's just a, I like to, I've never really, it's always come up about that, about fame and, and funny and, there, there is little things in that. And when you, when you decide to take care of your, when you decide to take care of yourself first, um, it's a very scary thing because now you, there's, first of all, you're taking away excuses. Um, number two, uh, you're actually going to feel good. Uh, like I said, feeling bad feels good. You know, sitting on a pity pot is, you know, it's okay, you know, and then, um, and number three, it's hard work to remember to read something that will help you or call somebody and to ask for forgiveness or to help somebody to be there for somebody to have, know somebody has your number and they might call you, you know, in the middle of a fucking barbecue and want to yap and talk about things. And you have to take that 10, 15 minutes or 20 minutes to go somewhere else and let them just yammer and try to be there, you know, and it's, but there is something about that, that, um, that really, you know, really does. uh, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, it feels like you've added more bricks to your house. Right. It's a little more, Stronger. This year has been a really tough year for me. Um, 
I've lost, you know, my manager, my agent, um, you know, this virus. And it's funny because I'm the happiest I've been in three years. Right. You know, and I'm probably, you know, I, I don't have all those, those pieces of this business that make you something in everybody else's eyes and even your eyes, the manager, the agent, the, the this, the that, you know, all the stuff, right? But I'm the happiest I've been because I've gotten rid of negativity. I've gotten rid of things that were holding me down and making me feel bad about myself. So now you're right. I can start new, but, I, you know, to to do all these things like, you know, meditating and, and, and service and stuff like that. But you know, what sucks too, is that when you get there though, when you, like I said this the other day, you fill your balloons up with this great stuff and you're floating and you're like, I love life again. A lot of times I don't keep replenishing that air. I just let it fucking fizzle out yeah, I until the I same hit thing. the ground again. Yeah. I do the same thing. Cause those grooves aren't, aren't, fucking deep enough we got to deepen the groove but here's a, a good exercise that i re i keep reading in these books and i try to remember when i'm losing my fucking mind is that eckhart tolle is always talking about this who i love is you sit there for a moment and go and you ask yourself what is really wrong right now what problem do i have actually right now and the answer is always nothing Everything else, you're thinking about something that's going to happen. You're anticipating a problem or you're thinking about something that already happened. Right now, you're just sitting there. So yes, we, don't ha we have a lot less work than we did and that could be an issue. That's scary. Unless you're on fire at that time, and um, we talk, I talk about this a lot on the podcast too, is if you're worrying about something, that means that thing is not happening. Because if it was happening, you wouldn't be worried about it. You'd be experiencing it. Oh, like if you were getting attacked by a lion, you wouldn't be going, God, what if, happened, what if a lion attacks? You'd be fucking fist fighting a lion. So if you lost your house, you'd be homeless. You wouldn't be worrying about the house. You'd be in a fucking tent. You wouldn't be thinking about your house. Yeah. So well, at yeah. this moment, nothing is actually wrong. It's important to remember that. That doesn't mean those worries aren't real and fucking terrifying and consuming, but they are just thoughts and thoughts are not reality and fear is just fear. No, I hear you. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's really too, I mean, it, it, all this stuff is, it's very easy to say. Of course, exactly. Very I'm just saying say. a thing that someone said. <laughs> yes. It's very easy to say, and it's very easy right now for people to listen to and be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And then you try to do it and it's, it, there's a struggle and it, to, to implement this stuff is very hard to do. And there's a lot of failure in it. This constant failure at, 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 at trying to achieve progress with your brain to try to 
control your thoughts by not controlling them to try to think positive when thinking negative, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's hard to do. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, meditation can help and it really does help, but it's hard to, it's hard to discipline yourself to do it. Yeah, it's tremendously hard. It's so funny. I'm rereading a book, The Wisdom of Insecurity by Alan Watts, which is a book that started me on this sort of uh, spiritual path. And it's like the first book I read because I just saw it and it said The Wisdom of Insecurity. And I'm like, I'm insecure. That's interesting. And I read it. I remember being like this, my life just fucking changed. And I'm reading it again, eight years later. And I'm like, Oh, right. I fucking totally forgot about all that. Like, it's just, it's again. And, and someone was just saying, uh, Mike Vecchione was, who was on last week was talking about all of your reactions to things are the formative years they talk about happened in the first six years of your life. Yeah. Every, the way you react and I react, my anger, your anger, which are very similar, but different that all came from when we were three years old, four years old, five years. And Alan, our therapist talks about this. He's like, you can go and reconcile things with your parents or work things out with your parents or whatever, but that'll be good and feel nice. But you still have that emptiness because it came from childhood. There's no repairing what you missed or what happened when you were five or six. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a really fucked up thing, man. It's, you know, to try to um, fix the wrongs that were given to you. Cause I, you know, I didn't ask for this or I didn't seek out anger or fear or anxiety or insecurity. I feel like a lot of that was given to me. Sure. And, and um, to try to let go of it and, and, to uh, repair it is a hard thing to do. But the one thing that really does um, make a lot of this, make my day better is focused love, you know, to my kid or my wife or some, one of my friends, but mainly to my wife and my child to just, you know, like tonight, I was lying in the bed before this happened, and my kid came in the bed, and I he came in. He was kind of yeah, I know he was a little restless, and I go, "Can you give Dad some love right now? Can I just get a big hunk of love?" And he came over, and he he goes, "Yep," and he came over and he wrapped his arms around me, and he just nestled his head inside my my neck right here, and he just held on to me. And he just started talking about stuff. And then he was like, he goes, do you feel better now, dad? And I go, I feel way better. And it wasn't like I felt bad. I didn't, I wasn't like sad or anything. I was really relaxed and comfortable. And I, it just, it filled me like I'm untouchable right now. You know, I'm untouchable right now. I can go to bed. I'm not worried about money. I'm not worried about gigs. I'm not worried about people. Um, and it's almost like all that stuff fell off me. Like the, it just fell away. Um, and I, I don't, I don't feel it. I can't right. feel it right now, you know, and then that will wear off. And you know, the, the thing that will make it go away again is that type of, 
you know, focused love that I have for my, the people that matter in my life. Right. And, and, and really another thing that I do too, is I really try to, um, I try to do affirmations. I really wholeheartedly believe in those. Yeah. I know people think they're, uh, I just can't believe your brain is that fucking powerful. I really believe you can bring stuff to you. I know that sounds weird, but I really believe that if you think good things, I'm not sitting there going, you know, give me 10 million gold bars. I'm not right. saying, that. you know what I'm saying? Right. I'm saying like my happiness or, you know, uh, the people in my life that will make me uh, f- uh, healthier or better that can help me uh, become better. You know, like those focused things and those people, I don't know, man, I don't know what it is. It's um, a miracle or active something. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to sit here and claim I know what it is, but those things happen. And all of a sudden it's just like, fuck, how did it just comes out of nowhere, you know? And it's, it's cause you, you, you put it out there somewhere. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what it is. Just connecting, I think to, um, reality and the reality is that you're loved and you love and that like it sounds cheesy or whatever but that's oh fucking gay it's very gay (laughs) but but that's happiness to love and be loved i mean that's it yeah and it's like i don't care anymore about that you know isn't it weird that we were brought up that love is just just silly yeah it's gay (laughs) <laughs> well, that's how we brought up. It's it's. I used to have that joke in my act about. Uh, I used to love to paint, and I was painting, and my uncle walked in. What are you painting? Paintings, you fag. And I was like, I'm nine. I was painting <laughs> me with my mom and no dad in a one bedroom. I was I was I was looking for a hug, uh, but I guess I'll just go blow a guy. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like we were brought up with this and then I was, our generation was that, you know, you don't, you know, you don't love, that's why, you know, I, I try to really let my kid know how much I love him as much. And it's, I want him to be able to say it to me. I don't want him to feel like that's a bad thing. Yeah. It's sweet. And he's sweet. You got a sweet boy and you're a sweet man. He's a punk. He's a little, I'm in trouble. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's got me in him, which is, but ho- hopefully he's not going to have my, my, I'm, I'm not, I hope I don't give him fear and I give him anxiety and I hope I don't give him anger. Well, it's only the first six years that matter. So you got what? Like, uh, none is seven fucking next oh, week. Oh, fuck. Fuck. His cake is baked. Yeah. You blew it. Shit. Yeah. He's, um well i mean i feel like we got to wrap it up here it's it's midnight we're we're this is the longest show we've ever done and Ah, buddy i'm sorry that's because of me here's the problem with me joe you you know you get me talking i'll just talk about this shit i know but it's good i think this is a i think this is a good episode i think a lot of people are going to be helped by this and anyone that writes anything negative that's what's good about this podcast that i've created so far because it's got no listeners, everything is positive so far. Every review, every tweet, every email is like incredibly touching. I'm at this beautiful point where everything is just mm, beautiful and yeah. it's going to eventually it'll blow up and then people will be like, this is fucking for homos, you fucking loser. You crooked tooth fucking herpy I'm, asshole. I'm going to call you and be like, dude, can you take my episode down? I'm, 
I'm getting, I'm getting a lot of negative response. I mean, <laughs> my kid, my kid's getting called a fag at school. Can you take that? But that, this is what I'm trying. I want a nice podcast where nobody gets hurt. It's lovely. Yeah, I, 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 it is nice that you're doing this. I'm glad you're doing this because, you know, look, we're so worried about being funny. We're so worried about having to uh, be great if right now you just pan down and your cock was out the whole time. <laughs> I've been thinking about it the entire time. It's all I've been thinking about. <laughs> See, now a monk wouldn't be thinking about that. <laughs> right, but that's who, I mean, I feel good I'm right kidding. now. We're, we're saying how much we love each other, but I still think it's funny to have my dick on camera. <laughs> I'll cut this part out. <laughs> Isn't that funny? By the way, hold on, just a quick side note. I was talking, I had like a couple people over uh, before pandemic, and we were just talking, and one of them was like a 25-year-old woman. And I was just like, yeah, I used to take my dick out all the time. I would show everyone my dick. Guys, never to women. Uh, yeah. but I was like, I would have my dick out everywhere you look. We all did. Yeah. And then she's like, what? And I'm like, it never crossed my mind for one second that it was, that, that would be any kind, anything but hilarious. And neither did any of my friends. We would <laughs> have our dicks on each funny. other's shoulders and in each other's mouths, like, uh, whatever. But, it's just, <laughs> but that was like, it wasn't even again like i never i didn't do that to women to women i would do that was like that's a little weird but in the locker room and shit all the time yeah we're we're better people right now we're better people our 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 whole society has is evolving and uh you know i mean look at it, it it goes back to my point that the healthier you get the less funny you might become <laughs> because think, you're, you're actually questioning pulling your dick out. Like it was a problem. Well, I still do it to you. I still do it on camera. And I think, I just, I, <laughs> I, but I always want to be aware of like, but you do that where you're like, all right, that person's not into that thing. Like you might walk out and be like, shut up, you fucking idiot. My wife doesn't want to, me to say shut up you fucking idiot so you figure out what people want what and you right. try to be but i've always want you know you always want you never want to hurt anybody even when you do you feel bad about it even if you get a big laugh well, if i said to you hey joe when you show me your cock that that it bothers me emotionally you'd stop doing it i would say i don't believe you and then i would send you a picture of my dick <laughs> I'd be like come on shut up um yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. But I, I don't know. I mean, look, man, it's a very interesting show, and it's a it's very interesting because as comics, we don't get a chance to talk about being healthy or the things that we always are trying to be funny, constantly trying to make people like us and laugh at us and and relieve their stress uh, through jokes. And now it's this is a good show that you're actually. Did you just yawn? Yeah, it's fucking late. I mean, for those people at home, Bobby's like, let's record at 11.30 p.m. I'm like, what are you, insane? I mean, this is like, this is ridiculous. I should be with my wife right now. Because my wife is awake. Yours is in bed, nestled in with her son or whatever the fuck. My wife's in the living room watching Shit's Creek, wishing someone was touching her biscuits. Her biscuits, biscuits means feet. Uh, well, anyways, I think this is good that you're doing that. And it was a pleasure. I, I would like to come back on in six months. Yeah, I'd love to do that because that's what I feel like the show is. We can have people uh, repeat customers. So 
Do it I think again. so. I think it'd be interesting to see where somebody's at in six months. You know, yeah, let's do it. Have you had anybody on that's been to just fuck this and fuck that? Um, no, everyone's been really good. I think it's, I think it's been I w- great. I want to say something. There's a great book that people should get that re- about affirmations. I talked about affirmations and I really do believe in if you say it, things will happen. And I believe getting your brain into certain things um, is the game of life and how to play it by Florence Scovel Shin. I'll check that she, book out. She wrote it. It's a very, it's, it's, it's the game of life and how to play it. And the book has helped me a lot. It's all affirmations about affirmations. Uh, she was an artist in the West village. Her husband divorced her and she uh, had to learn how to live life again. Um, and uh, she wrote this amazing mm. book, I think, in the 1920s. <laughs> you yarn. No, I'll check out that book for sure. Get that, get that book. And check out this book, The Wisdom of Insecurity by Alan Watts, which my second time reading it, it's just as good the first time. Not really insecure. It's not a, actually about insecurity. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank no, you. Been great, buddy. I love Thanks, you. Robert. I appreciate it. I love you. You're the best. Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.